Samaritans and Special Needs Schools. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm your host, Renita Malhotra-Hora. Hong Kong police fire tear gas on protesters. Hong Kong traders prepare for a sell-off amidst the protest crackdown. And Bill Gross exits PIMCO. These are your headlines this morning. Today we'll be looking at these and other stories on golden commodities with Keith Spence of Global Mining Capital Corp. From Washington, we'll speak with Barry Wood, RTHK's international economics correspondent, and Francis Lun, the CEO of GEO Securities. Richard Harris of Port Shelter Investment Management joins us as our guest host this morning. Good morning, Richard. Hi, Renita. So lots of uh, really interesting news today. Political protests have overtaken Hong Kong. The Hong Kong police fired tear gas and pepper spray in a failed effort to disperse the pro-democracy demonstrators early this morning. Central, Admiralty, Causeway Bay and Mong Kok have all been affected. Our reporter Etienne Lamy-Smith reports from Mong Kok. I've been here since uh, just before 4 o'clock this morning and I have seen almost no police. Um, all the protesters uh, reckon the police are all uh, busy on the island side and the, their priority is to clear that side because of the business district and all the commercial activity there and that once they've dealt with that possibly. They will then come over here to clear uh, these guys. But at the moment, Nathan Road, there's no possibility of anything going through at all. 41 people have been injured and LegCo meetings this morning have been rescheduled. Vehicles travelling through the Cross Harbour Tunnel and from the Island East Corridor heading for Central are diverted via Wan Chai North and Lungwo Road. Vehicles travelling on the Island Eastern Corridor heading for Wan Chai are diverted to Gloucester Road, Inner Gloucester Road and O'Brien Road. The section of Tunglo Wan Road between Morton Terrace and St. Paul Hospital is converted from eastbound traffic to westbound traffic. Morton Terrace is closed to all vehicular traffic, except for franchise buses. And vehicles traveling through the Western Harbor crossing Route 4, Hong Kong bound, heading for Central North and Financial Districts, are prohibited from entering Pedder Street and are diverted instead to Lungwo Road, Mangkwang Street and Manyu Street. And finally, the Yungsi Street, Queensway, Harcourt Road, Yiwo Street, East Point Road and Great George Street are all closed to vehicular traffic. Well, Hong Kong investors prepared for a stock market retreat and made arrangements to work outside the financial district today amid the biggest police crackdown on protesters since the city has returned to Chinese rule. The Hang Seng Index will probably open sharply lower and the Hong Kong dollar will will face selling pressure as well. Richard, can you let us know what's expected of the Hong Kong markets this morning? Well, I don't think it's a secret that the Hong Kong markets will probably open uh, quite uh, sharply lower. I mean, the reason is that traders don't want to be caught with stocks, so they're likely to price uh, the market down. We could be looking maybe 5% down, something like that, to give people an indication. Um, However, if things carry on as they are... Uh, I could well see some more life come back into the markets at the end of the day. Uh, They'll also be looking at the fact that a lot of the week it's closed too. Um, So I think all of these dynamics will probably mean the market will open quite sharply lower, uh, but we'll probably see a bottom maybe by mid-morning. Let's bring in Francis Lun, who joins us this morning uh, in the studio. Good morning, Francis. So, Francis, given that this is a holiday week, we've got two public holidays this week, are we really looking at a shake-up in the Hong Kong markets? Yeah, definitely. I think... uh 
last uh, I think last weekend, many traders already left town for a holiday, and I think they they be caught with the pants down. <laughs> and uh, of course, everybody expected uh, well the Occupy Centers to start on October first, mm. and then you have two days holiday. Then then the disruption will be that much. But now the uh, the Occupy Centers started three days earlier, and uh, we already see the a disruption i think uh, even though uh, the hong kong exchange will open a schedule but i think the psychological effect is that the the government just cannot control the situation there are just too many people on the street you have major disruption of traffic and then of course all the shops in central and queensway closed down and uh, that does not give you too much confidence so i expect the market to open maybe 500 points lower today but will it continue yes uh, today for sure businesses are disrupted the question is, with the students and the protesters, will they get fed up and go home? Will they get bored in a few days? Well, uh, they won't get bored. I think they're driven by uh, uh, their idealism. I think they, it will drive them. But 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 I think some uh, some people will, will, will start to think that uh, we should not disrupt uh, 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 the normal life rhythm of Hong Kong. Uh, let's give Hong Kong a chance to go back to normal. I think they want to uh, stage a protest to express their dissatisfaction. I think the, uh, the point is well taken. It's uh, uh, headline news across the world in CNN, uh, Financial Times, and Wall Street, and all that. I think they have made their point, and uh, I think it's time to uh, uh, go back to the school and then maybe uh, let we let us work as usual. Let us work as usual. Richard, can you give us a quick rundown of how other markets elsewhere fared over the weekend? Yes. Well, last week, uh, markets were, were weaker pretty well ac- across the board. But this was over a strong period of the last month. Um, they really rolled down. The, the standout actually was Hong Kong, which was down 2.5% last week, which was the, the biggest weekly fall in six months. And that also doesn't bold uh, particularly well for today, uh, for opening this morning. Uh, The Dow Jones is at 17,113, and the U.S. Treasury yielded slightly higher at about 2.53%. The currencies this morning, euro, U.S. dollars is $1.26, U.S. yen is uh, 109.40, and sterling to the pound is uh, 12.60. One other point is that the renminbi had quite a good move last week, moving up to about uh, 6.15. So, Francis, the question is then, the protests in Hong Kong and their impact on local businesses and the markets, is that going to stay limited to Hong Kong or are we going to see an effect elsewhere on other markets in the region? Uh, I think it will localize. I think uh, uh, to think that Hong Kong can move the world may be an (coughs) exaggeration. And, and of course, uh, what, <coughs> what we have is really a disruption of some of the business activities in Central, some of the schools in Central and Western. But uh, basically, uh, uh, the financial markets are not disrupted because you have stock markets as usual and then the trading, the uh, currency market, and et cetera. And so, so I think uh, the damage will be limited uh, unless the government completely 
completely loses control. I think uh, after a few days, things will get to normal. And if Hong Kong markets do open 500 points lower or however low they might, uh, is does this signal a buying opportunity for us? Yeah, definitely. Hong Kong market is not uh, expensive to start with. <laughs> so you're always looking for some some kind of disasters or, or tsunami or something like that. When, when the market sinks below 20,000, just uh, throw yourself in and, 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 and buy, put your, put your money on Hong Kong. Okay. Since we're always looking for disaster, what, what are you putting your money on today, Francis? Well, I, I, I think, uh, you have to, of course, you, you're, you're looking at the local economy. I think the property stocks will be down sharply and also the local conglomerates like uh, Hutchison Wompo, uh, Swire Pacific and all that. And, uh, if they fall like something like 10%, rush in and buy, uh, uh, you, 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 you win in the longer run. Richard, do you agree? I'm, think he's got a point in terms of buying lower, but I'm not so sure. You know, if there is a longer term concern about Hong Kong, then the stocks that are going to be hurt in Hong Kong are going to be the Hong Kong stocks, the developers, uh, the companies which have uh, substantial holdings here. If you're talking about Chinese banks or many of those companies investing in Hong Kong, then I I agree with Francis. You know, the uh, worry in the markets will pull those prices down and that may provide an opportunity for those kind of stocks. All right, Francis, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That's Francis. Francis Lun, he is the CEO of GEO Securities. Well, let's uh, turn our attention now to Western Shores. Bill Gross, long reputed as the Bond King, has resigned from his position as Chief Investment Officer of PIMCO, the world's biggest bond fund, to join competing firm Janus. Um, PIMCO and Gross have dominated investment in the fixed income arena for nearly three decades, but in the last few years... PIMCO has lost assets and suffered from poor performance as world bond markets came off the boil. Markets reacted by pricing PIMCO's parent company, Allianz, down 6.5% and Janus up at a startling 43%, reflecting Gross's potential draw for investors. John Bogle, the chairman at Advisant, told Bloomberg's Betty Liu that Bill Gross's departure is the industry's loss. The reality is there's been a lot of sniping going on out there. His leadership has been challenged. I'm sure the SEC investigation, and it's only an investigation. We don't know anything about the circumstances. Uh, all probably take their toll on uh, you know a man who may, in spite of his fame and fortune, be easily hurt. We can all be easily hurt. And maybe he just woke up one morning and said, maybe yesterday morning, and said, I don't need any more of this. I can't read his mind, but I guess that's a, a reasonable scenario. But it's the, his... It's the industry's loss, no question about that. He's a giant. The question is, what does PIMCO need to do to calm its investors? I think the investors in PIMCO, total return, big bond fund that they have, biggest bond fund, uh, should should have been much calmer than they have been this year. I mean, Bill Gross's, that fund, PIMCO fund, has lagged the bond market by, you know, I'd say 50 basis points, a half of 1%. This is not a catastrophe. This yeah. happens in the world. And after, oh gosh, uh, probably beating the bond market index for, let me just guess, it's seven out of the last eight years, Jack. and he finally falls behind, uh, you know, that's, people shouldn't be so sensitive. People- well, let's bring in Barry, our international economics correspondent. Good morning, Barry. 
Good morning, Renita. So, Barry, is PIMCO the big story in the U.S. right now? Well, I must say, I think uh, Hong Kong and what's happening over there is uh, threatening to uh, push PIMCO at least back a little bit. So you do no, think... It's a very big... You, so you do think that Hong Kong is going to affect uh, world markets then? No, I don't think that at you all. Don't. I rather think that um, this was unexpected, and this news has really um, been page one, New York Times, BBC, U.S., other newspapers, and even on television. So, you know, you're in the news, and that's an uncharacteristic situation for you to be in. I don't think it's going to have any impact on markets unless, as Francis said, it uh, continues. But, uh, no, the big uh, story is, in the financial area, certainly Bill Gross. Uh, This story of Bill Gross, we just heard that clip uh, saying that he's a great loss to the industry. But on the other hand, he's 70 years old. He's worth $2.2 billion. His executive team are about to throw him out. Is it really that big a loss? Well, you know, Richard, I think that is a very significant question because we really don't know what's in Bill Gross's mind. My own guess is that uh, the financial market, the bond market, is his life. He has carved out an incredible career in Newport Beach, California. He lives the good life, but I think he is absolutely married to the market. And uh, as John Bogle said, sniping at, uh, at uh, PIMCO, that's certainly going on. Mohammed El Aryan left. So look at the market response. But there may be more, as you suggest, There may be the fact that there's more that we really don't know about what was happening at PIMCO. But so far, Richard, it is uh, is Janus's gain. Yes, and it was extraordinary, too, to see that fall in Allianz, a a German share, a big German insurance company over nine, and that huge rise in Janus's share price. Yeah, it really is, because I think there was concern when the Germans bought PIMCO, and yet that's worked out very well for several years. But let's face it, as you suggested at the beginning, he's 70 years old, Bill Gross. He's had problems with the man that he brought in, Mohammed El Arian, who is a giant, and they seem to get on very well for a very long time. But he's gone, and now Bill Gross has thrown in the towel and gone elsewhere, but of course staying in Newport Beach. So I think uh, we'll just have to watch this over the next few days. So there's a range of uh, uh, opinions saying that some say his departure was expected, some say it was completely unexpected. Um, Is this a result of the valuation scandal that arose at PIMCO late last week? Well, I think it could be that, Renita. There's more that we clearly do not know. I agree with uh, the other giant of that industry, John Bogle, when he says that... uh, that Gross is a giant, and this is a loss for PIMCO. But there may be a lot that we don't yet know. All right, Barry, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That is Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent, joining us from Washington, D.C. We'll be uh, back with more on gold. That's right after this message. The Equal Opportunities Commission is conducting a public consultation on the review of the discrimination law. The consultation aims to review how the discrimination law can be modernized to meet Hong Kong's current needs. You are welcome to express your views by October 7th. Copies of the consultation document are available at the Commission's office and website and the Home Affairs Department. For inquiries, please call 2511-8211. Join us to promote equal opportunities. 
So is gold out of fashion? Well, that's what a number of analysts are saying. And it's certainly a question that we ask when markets look positive, uh, long for the longer rather than the shorter term. Now, three years ago, the price of the metal was pushing $2,000 per ounce. Now it's at $1,220 per ounce. Richard, what do you think? What is your take on the metal? Well, I, I'm usually the worst person to ask about gold because I always get it wrong. But we do have today a man who can help us, uh, who's the special in the area, and that's Keith Spence, who's president of Global Mining Corp of Toronto. Uh, Keith is a geologist turned commodities investment banker and is very close to these markets. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Richard. We also have Chris Oliver with us today to ask you a few questions. Uh, Keith, a lot of our listeners follow gold closely, and the asset has been widely shunned over the last few months. And you've just been with a lot of professional gold bugs at the World Gold Congress, where talk of the gold price drop is all the rage. Now, what was the view of the metal there? Well, actually, you know, gold, gold holders and, and the people in the gold business are always uh, what I call optimists perennial optimist. Uh, so I was at the uh, conference in uh, Beijing, the World Gold uh, Congress, and everybody was uh, saying, well, price is about to take off. Uh, price is about to take off because for, uh, you know, uh, crises in the world, uh, there's demand for uh, gold in, in India and in uh, uh, China. In fact, China is, is the biggest consumer of gold now. And, and some of the crises that we're seeing in the Middle East, uh, even right here this morning, I had a tough time trying to get into this building. So, uh, you know, crises always poke its head up. There's, and, there's been a lot of talks, too, about the central banks coming in and buying. And, and how, how true is that? Uh, that's very true. In fact, that was the other reason I was going to mention, uh, you know, uh, central bankers. Uh, back in your time, uh, uh, in, in the late... Uh, of 90s decided that gold wasn't uh, something that should be held it didn't pay any uh, interest it just stuck there in the in the vaults and we should sell and all the leading uh, central banks including England and and the two big producers in uh, Canada and uh, Australia and 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 uh, uh, South Africa sold most of the gold but uh, now they're buying. The Russians are buying. The Middle Eastern countries are buying. And, and, and even those countries that I mentioned are now uh, uh, buying bullion. If you notice, every time gold drops, uh, it uh, goes up a little again. And it's because the central banks are coming in and, and buying on, on the dips. But how much could that actually make a difference to the price? They're buying on the dips. They don't have any time pressure on them. They don't have to chase high prices. Aren't they just going to keep buying at low levels and we won't really see any impact on the market? Well, uh, that's just one of the, the factors. Remember I said uh, the, the jewelry demand and the demand for gold in, in India and, and China, just pure fundamental uh, demand is quite high. So uh, the, the central banks are just one factor. And then we have crises in the world. Uh, that, uh, that's the other thing that drives uh, gold. One, one of the issues with uh, commodity markets in general is that we're seeing a correlation here between uh, weak uh, industrial, uh, 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 industrial ore prices and um, uh, precious metal prices. Everything seems to be falling. 
one of the reasons for that could be, as uh, Dr. Jim Walker told uh, the program on Friday, the years of resource intensity are completely finished for China. He was referring to China there. So uh, I'm, I'm concerned here that what we're seeing is actually a perennial cycle or a continuing cycle of uh, commodity weakness, not uh, an imminent upturn, as a lot of analysts have been suggesting. Yeah, and, and, you, and what you're talking about is uh, the, the, what most people are talking about, the end of the super cycle. And uh, I think you have to separate the industrial minerals, the base metals, uh, and uh, iron ore and, and aluminum. Uh, when I say base metals, I'm normally talking about uh, uh, copper, zinc, and uh, 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 some of the other similar uh, base type metals. If you separate that from uh, from uh, from gold, which is a precious metals, you know, gold is monetary. Gold is money. And going back to Egyptian times, so uh, you know what we're seeing the correlation now is only a temporary phenomenon. I, I think base metals are on a secular decline, and I agree with you on that. But gold, gold prices will continue to be up. Well, what would it take you to capitulate on your bullish stance on gold? What would you be looking for? <laughs> well, as, uh, you, the, uh, you're not going to get a gold bug to capitulate. <laughs> capitulate. That's the first thing I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Probably but, not. But, but uh, I, I, I'm going to tell you. If you look at supply from the mines, most of the the, the, the average cost of uh, production right now is about uh, uh, you know one thousand two hundred. So in fact, what you what you're dealing with is uh, is is uh, nobody's going to be in the business to produce uh, gold at, at a loss. So very quickly, uh, Keith, any all those highly intelligent gold bugs of the conference, any target prices they were looking at from well, the twelve twenty level we are now? Well, now? The, the consensus is very shortly you'd be talking about fourteen hundred, uh, uh, and 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 that's within a year or so. And the long term guys are talking about uh, two thousand. Uh, you know within the next five years. I subscribe to that. Well, Keith, thanks very much uh, for coming on the show. Hopefully we'll have you back as Mr. Commodities in the future. That was Keith Spence, President of Global Mining Capital Corp of Toronto. Yelp is a hot Silicon Valley company that allows consumers to share their opinions about great local businesses. Founded in San Francisco in July 2004, Yelp communities have taken root in major metros across 29 countries, accounting for more than 60 million consumer reviews about local businesses. Yelp has just opened its doors to Hong Kong, but with the abundance of so many similar companies here, there are questions about its viability. Joining us to discuss this is Freddie Shipper, Head of Strategic Development at Localize. Good morning, Freddie. Good morning, Renita. So, Freddie, does Yelp face too much competition as it enters the Hong Kong market? Um, yes and no, I would say. Um, there's obviously quite a few online platforms that are already out there. Um, but I would say most of these are, are fairly diff- different to, to what Yelp offers. Um, especially us at Localize, what, what we do is, is very different. Um, we're a lot more than actually what, what Yelp offers. Localize really is, is a hybrid platform, um, which is news, um, directory and, and marketing and advertising for, for small uh, to medium-sized businesses as well. Well, I think Yelp will probably um, target the, the mass market such as other big search engines out there like Google and, and Yahoo, for example. 
But uh, there are a lot of other companies, local companies here in Hong Kong, right? You've got Open Rice, you've got the Hong Kong Hub, Asia Expat, Geo Expat. Um, and a lot of these are, you know, really trusted companies, internet providers for the local market. Does that, uh, you know, put Yelp in a difficult situation? Uh, could very well be, could very well be. Obviously, there's a few good examples that you that you mentioned there. Um, I think... We, we welcome competition. Um, in a way, it's great having Yelp entering not only the Asian market, which they did with Japan a few months ago, um, <clears throat> and now the, the Hong Kong market as well. Um, I think it just shows that it's, it's recognition for, for Hong Kong um, in terms of that, that online advertising is now truly accepted in, um, in, in the territory. Um, and it, in that way, it could probably be a, a good opportunity for, for the platforms that are already out there. Um, I think the biggest advantage for Yelp is that they're obviously – they're international, right? I think they're in, in 29 countries worldwide now. Um, some of the numbers, obviously, that they have are, are staggering. Um, so that could probably be a, a big advantage for them where they enter the market as a big international player um, compared to the more local or, or regional players that are, that are in the market at the moment. Now, you talk about online advertising, but Yelp's strength really is its ability to get local consumers to review local businesses. Right. Correct. And uh, certainly in the Western markets, um, Yelp reviews can make or break local businesses. Uh, do you think that Hong Kong businesses are likely to be as susceptible to their impact? Um, again, what, what I found from experience is that word of mouth is still very strong in, in Hong Kong. And then I'm obviously talking about word of mouth offline, um, not online. Um, Open Rise probably comes comes fairly close to to Yelp in terms of obviously that users can can leave reviews. Um, now I've heard of, of instances where a new restaurant opened um, and didn't get great reviews on on Open Rise for starters, and it, it did make it quite difficult for them. Um, I mean, obviously, at, at the end of the day, if, if you have a good quality business um, that provides quality service or, or, or sells quality products, um, then I don't think they would do it. they would have to to worry too much, to be honest. Okay, so uh, tell us a little bit more about localize. Just based upon what you're saying, it it will not go head to head with Yelp. Is that right? Um, I don't think so. No, what I, what I said earlier, um, Yelp is obviously a, a global player. Um, I think Yelp will 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 target the mass market in in Hong Kong. Obviously, Yelp's going to be both in English and in in Chinese as well. Um, localized, we're we're just focusing on on the English speaking market. Um, we have a strong focus on on SMEs, so on small and medium sized enterprises. Um, and what I said, we're 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 very different from Yelp. Obviously, Yelp is is user generated reviews, user generated content. Um, we generate our own con- content. Um, we we write our own um, articles. Um, and and on top of that, obviously, we have the directory that that allows small to to medium sized businesses to to market themselves to the public in Hong Kong. All right, thank you, Freddie. That is uh, Freddie Shipper, the head of strategic. Development at localized.com. So uh, before we wrap up the show, let's take a quick look at the numbers. Richard, do you want to run them down for us? Yes, uh, markets mixed this morning. Nikkei is up half a percent at 16,302, and Australia down half a percent, 5,285. Seoul's also down. 
And before we wrap up the show, let's take a quick look at the weather forecast for today. It'll be mainly fine, hot during the day with maximum temperatures of around 32 degrees. The temperature right now is 28 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 82%. This is Money for Nothing and I'm your host, Renita Malhotra-Hora, along with co-host Richard Harris of Port Shelter Investment Management. Thank you, Richard. My pleasure, Renita. And now it's time for the news on the half hour with Samantha Butler. Thousands of protesters are blockading streets in major districts of Hong Kong, demanding true universal suffrage and that the chief executive, C.Y. Leung, step down. Despite police calls to disperse before people return to work, more protesters are joining the blockades, which spread from Admiralty and Central last night to Causeway Bay and Mong Kok. Many of the protesters are young people. After scuffles in the early hours of the morning, where police fired tear gas in Central and Admiralty, it has been mostly peaceful, with little police presence in Causeway Bay and Mon Cog. Our reporter Priscilla Ng is in Causeway Bay. Yes, the morning rush hour is here and many com- commuters who were intending to take the MTR were actually quite surprised to find that many of the exits have been fenced off by protesters. I spoke to a few of them and while some of them were angry with the protesters for sealing off the exits, others said they understand the protesters' intentions and did not mind walking further to an alternative exit. Meanwhile, thousands of protesters have continued to gather on the east and westbound lanes of Hennessy Road, bringing traffic there to a standstill. Protesters that they have no intention to leave the venue unless the central government retreats its conservative political reform framework for Hong Kong and CY Lung step down. Thanks to Priscilla there in Causeway Bay. In Mongkok, thousands of people are occupying the intersection of Nathan Road and Argyle Street, paralyzing traffic. I spoke to our reporter Etienne Lamy-Smith earlier. There are still uh, thousands of uh, protesters here and it's still very peaceful and still no sign of 